I am not indifferent, my dear friends, to the event which fourscore and seven years ago brought to this new world light and joy. I yield to none in feelings of deep reverence for the sages and patriots that labored for its consummation. The principles enunciated in the document unfolded and first read in yonder hall command still my highest admiration. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 132, Isaiah, Assyria, and the Gettysburg Address. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Four score and seven years ago. This is perhaps the most famous phrase in the English language, and certainly one of the most celebrated in America. On November 19, 1863, President Lincoln attended the dedication of a cemetery for Union soldiers who several months before had fought and died at Gettysburg. The President's Gettysburg Address asserted that the essence of the American founding could be found in the words of the Declaration of Independence that had been approved by the Continental Congress 87 years before. But Lincoln at Gettysburg did not say 87. Instead, he uttered a phrase that utilized the word score to refer to 20 years, so four score would be 80. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. These words have been studied, poured over, discussed, and debated for generations. But maybe, just maybe, they are bound up in the story of a sermon delivered by a rabbi in Philadelphia, a sermon that centers on a passage in Isaiah and which may have unintentionally impacted one of the most enduring speeches in American history. One of the themes that we have emphasized throughout Bible 365 is the impact of Hebrew Scripture on America. And so for today, before we turn to the passage in Isaiah, we must, in order to tell our story, first provide the background to the central figure in this tale. His name is Rabbi Sabato Moraes. And here, in describing what unfolded, I am drawing on the work of historians, including Alan Correa, Jonathan Sarna, and Mark Saperstein. Sabato Moraes was a Sephardic Jew from Livorno, educated and ordained in Italy. He originally worked in London and then took the position in the 1850s as spiritual leader of the Spanish and Portuguese congregation Mikveh Israel in Philadelphia. Following 1860, this rabbinic immigrant became an ardent admirer of Abraham Lincoln, a supporter of his policies and worldview. Moraes' affection for Lincoln can be seen in a poignant prayer delivered in 1862, following the death of Lincoln's son, Willie. Rabbi Moraes said, Bless the President of the United States. Bless him for his sterling honesty. Bless him for his firmness and moderation. Rekindle with joy his domestic hearth. Pour on him the balm of divine consolation. Moraes' prayer was sent by a synagogue representative to Lincoln himself, who wrote back, responding, quote, Thank you heartily for your expressions of kindness and confidence. End quote. And this, according to what I've read, is the only known letter sent by Lincoln to a synagogue in America. During the war, Moraes emerged as not only a devoted supporter of Lincoln, but also an outspoken opponent of slavery, views that he voiced in his community. Now that we know a little bit about Moraes, we can turn to Saturday, the 4th of July, 1863, when he ascended the pulpit to deliver the Sabbath sermon. In advance of the anniversary of American independence, the Philadelphia Union League, which was a Republican organization, had requested of Philadelphia clergy that celebratory sermons be preached throughout the city utilizing as their unified theme the verse from Leviticus that was emblazoned on the celebrated bell in that very same city, proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. But, as the historian of homiletics Mark Saperstein explains, Rabbi Moraes did not, in his sermon, do what he had been asked to do. He did not celebrate Independence Day and did not focus on that verse in Leviticus for several reasons. 
First, while that Shabbat was indeed the 4th of July, it was also in the Jewish calendar, the 17th of Tammuz, one of the saddest days of the Jewish year, the day on which the Romans breached the walls of Jerusalem and entered the city, ultimately burning the temple three weeks later. The day marks the beginning of a three-week period of sadness for the Jewish people, and therefore an entirely celebratory sermon appeared inappropriate. Moreover, as Professor Saperstein further notes, there was another more pressing reason originally unforeseen by the Union League as to why a more somber sermon was required. Over the past three days, July 1st through July 3rd, Union and Confederate forces had been engaged in an epic battle to the south of Philadelphia at Gettysburg. But as of Saturday morning, July 4th, Moraes did not have any idea who had won and whether Confederate forces might continue onward to Philadelphia. And so Moraes said that he could not speak of American independence today in a joyous mood. As he puts it later in his sermon, quote, Can it then be reasonably expected that I should expatiate upon a joyful theme? Can I delineate in glowing characters the happiness and glory derived for a period from the declaration that the colonial states had sundered apart the bonds of dependence when the effects of a long thraldom and a fraternal strife stare me in the face? No, Moraes continued, the times do not warrant it, end quote. He therefore chose instead, as an inspiration for his sermon, the chapter in Isaiah that we study today. As we saw in Kings, Sancherov's general Rav Shakeh of Assyria stood atop the city walls of Jerusalem and urged the Jews of Jerusalem to surrender, telling them that their God would not save them. Upon hearing of Rav Shakeh's blasphemous words, we are then informed in chapter 37 of Isaiah the following. Verse 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth unto Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amot. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of derision for the children that are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rav Shakeh, whom the king of Assyria his master hath sent to reproach the living God, and he will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say unto your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. It is the opening words of Hezekiah that Moraes chose to emphasize. Those in verse 3, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of derision. This is the verse that Moraes selected, and he did so because it accomplished two purposes. First, on this day set aside to remember Jerusalem, Rabbi Moraes took his congregants back in their mind's eye to a moment, that of the age of Assyria, when enemy armies surrounded Jerusalem. And second, in the story of Hezekiah, the future of the commonwealth hinges on whether Assyria conquers Jerusalem or not. And here, Moraes intends to impress upon his congregants how the future of Philadelphia, where the American idea was born, was imperiled and hung in the balance. The sermon that Moraes delivered was published, and we can read it today. It begins with the Isaiah verse. Here is what Moraes said, quote, This is a day of trouble, of rebuke, and derision. Brethren, you will have recognized in my quotation the words wherewith the messengers of Hezekiah addressed the prophet Isaiah in the name of their sorrow-stricken king. The army of Assyria had then invaded the country of Judah and its chief general had added insult to injury by public expression of opprobrium and blasphemy. 
to avert national dishonor and ruin, the prayer of the inspired servant of God was, at that juncture, earnestly solicited. End quote. Boreas then recognized that he was deviating from what had been asked by the Union League, and he played off in response the story of Balaam, which was the portion read that day. Balaam, who ended up saying whatever God had placed on his lips, Rabbi Boreas said, quote, But the text I have chosen may possibly be deemed too doleful for the occasion I was officially asked to recall to your memory. A stirring oration on political topics may perhaps be anticipated as the most fitting manner of complying with the request. But with all due deference to the opinion entertained by the influential body of men who have applied for my services, I will say, as the heathen seer of whom we have read in the section for this morning, the word which God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. Thus, instead of focusing on the 4th of July, on American independence, Moraeus chose to speak of what occurred millennia earlier in the Holy Land. But the rabbi also assured his audience that he had not forgotten the joyous American date on which that sermon was being delivered, reminding his audience that he could not forget that the Declaration of Independence had been approved 87 years ago to the day and had been approved right near the synagogue at Independence Hall. And so Moraeus expressed this to those listening to a sermon. But Moraeus, on July 4th, 1863, did not use the word 80. This is what he said, quote, I am not indifferent, my dear friends, to the event which fourscore and seven years ago brought to this new world light and joy. I yield to none in feelings of deep reverence for the sages and patriots that labored for its consummation. The principles enunciated in the document unfolded and first read in yonder hall command still my highest admiration, end quote. So ladies and gentlemen, note well the phrase through which he refers to July 4, 1776 as occurring four score and seven years ago. Rabbi Moraes said this several months before the Gettysburg Address. And as the scholar Arthur Kiran has pointed out to me, Moraes spoke this way because he had taught himself English as an Italian by comparing the Hebrew text of the Tanakh, which he knew, to the English text that, though old-fashioned, was the one that Americans had, the King James Bible. Fourscore is a King James Bible word. Moraeus' sermon, upon being delivered, was published. And so we are, of course, inspired to ask whether Lincoln had read it and whether he himself took the phrase fourscore and seven years ago from Rabbi Moraeus. As the historian Jonathan Sarna put it, quote, we do know that some of Moraeus' sermons were sent to Lincoln and that he read them. Good politicians are known for borrowing phrases that will resonate with the public. So it is possible. All we know for sure is that Moraeus used the phrase before Lincoln and that the president had read some of Moraeus' sermons, end quote. And Mark Saperstein points out that Lincoln himself had not used the word fourscore when he marked the victory at Gettysburg three days after the battle. Lincoln said, quote, How long ago is it? Eighty-odd years since on the 4th of July, for the first time in the history of the world, a nation by its representatives assembled and declared as a self-evident truth that all men are created equal, end quote. Mark Saperstein writes as follows, quote, Moraeus also could have said 80-odd years ago. Instead, he used wording that echoes the King James translation threescore years and ten, Psalms 90-10, evoking an unusual event with what was then a highly unusual phrase, followed by, brought to this new world. Needless to say, Saperstein continued, some three months later for the dedication of the Gettysburg Cemetery, Abraham Lincoln elevated the level of his discourse from 80-odd years to fourscore and seven years our fathers brought forth to this continent, possibly borrowing from the published text by the Philadelphia Sephardic preacher 
who, without knowing it, may have made a lasting contribution to American rhetorical history, end quote. We cannot know for sure whether or not Lincoln took the words four score and seven years ago from Moraes, but if not, the coincidence is uncanny, and either way, the story of Moraes' sermon, drawn from Isaiah, does still shed light on the Gettysburg Address. Moraes spoke the way he did because he had learned English from the King James Bible. If Lincoln did not speak this way naturally, but chose to begin with the words four score and seven years ago, it was because at Gettysburg he wished his address to take on a biblical tone. The address was a call to covenantal renewal, to rededication to the proposition that all men are created equal, to a new birth of freedom that, Lincoln argued, had been sanctified by the blood of the soldiers who had died for freedom at Gettysburg. Lincoln emphasized in his address the covenantal connection to our fathers who had brought forth a great nation. And Lincoln, delivering the speech, stressed that the new birth of freedom would come under God. The Gettysburg Address thus inspires us to ask whether America can continue to remain loyal to its covenantal calling without the help of the biblical inspiration on which Lincoln drew. In the end, we know that Hezekiah's prayers were answered and that what Isaiah promised came true, that not only was Jerusalem saved, not only was the Assyrian army struck down at Jerusalem's gates, but also, as Isaiah had said, Sancherev himself was killed. Thus, chapter 37 in Isaiah concludes, verse 37. So Sancherev, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. And Ezerhadon, his son, reigned in his stead. Rabbi Moraes concluded his own sermon by invoking Isaiah's story and praying for the victory of Union forces at Gettysburg. He said, quote, Almighty God, Suffer our entreaty to ascend thy throne, and hearken unto it as thou didst hearken unto that of King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet. Our merits cannot, like theirs, intercede for us, but thy mercy is not measured by human virtues. For alas, we should then have long since driven from thy presence. Behold our confusion by reason of him that reproacheth and derideth. Uplift us from the dust into which our sins have cast us. Raise the horn of our salvation, and circle Pennsylvania with thy mighty shield protect the lives of her inhabitants, end quote. Of course, Moraes at this moment did not know that his prayer had already been answered. Lee had lost the battle on July 3rd, Friday, with his entirely overconfident ordering of Pickett's charge. The possible Jewish connection of Moraes's Isaiah sermon to the Gettysburg Address and the clearly deliberate biblical and covenantal themes in Lincoln's speech ought to inspire us to commit ourselves to work that the impact of biblical ideas on America should not soon perish from the earth. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.